0: BLOB TALK
1: RADIO It's March 17, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown and perhaps a special guest. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember good leadership, is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Uh, Working for a Living Radio Show is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and you may follow us on Twitter at 4 underscore working. Unfortunately... And sadly, there were two shooting massacres this past week and one suicide of a Lordstown UAW brother who was being evicted from his home. I'd like to have a moment of silence for their souls, their families, their friends, and all their co-workers. Thank you for honoring their memory. Let me uh bring Brother Jeff on. And here we are. Jeff, how are you doing this week?
0: I'm good, Leroy. How are you? I'm
1: pretty good. You know, we had a lot of stuff going on. We had the convention going on this week. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh and uh, yeah. uh, we had all those shootings and of course that uh, one brother that committed suicide. Uh, that's been an interesting week all week. The weather here hasn't been too bad. We had a little snow Friday night, just enough to cover the roads and make them slippery Saturday morning. But other than that, it's been pretty moderate around here. Uh, I got a lot of work done on the house and stuff because, uh, it's, uh, that time of year It's getting to be spring, you know, by the way, everybody happy St. Patrick's day. Uh, and, uh, Jeff, I've been working away over here, so I, I really don't know the uh, outcome of the uh, the game today. So, uh, were you are you aware of the game outcome? Uh, yeah, Little
0: Brother won. Or the third Oh, semester. Little
1: Brother won, 65 60, I yep. guess. Well,
0: yep. Three out of Something three like so that.
1: far. We might meet in Final Four yet before it's all said and done. It's so, that's
0: Very out well put.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, We're talking about Michigan State versus Michigan, University of Michigan, that is. And uh, we beat, uh, uh, the, well, we, I'm a Spartan, Michigan State Spartan, and when they're not playing, I'm an Ohio Buckeye. Uh, but uh, uh, the uh, Spartans beat Michigan this week, uh, today at uh, uh, the Big Ten tournament, 65-60. to 60. And of course, we played home and away uh, two games there, one there and one at uh, the Breslin Center, in the And uh And Michigan State was victorious there, too. I was beginning to worry about that, though. I did peak it right at the beginning of halftime, and Spartans were down by 10. So they must have really roared back to win. So, uh, you know, U of M's always a good team. And that's Jeff's team, by the way. <laughs> A little kick out. They did win in football this past year, though the U of M won in football last year. So I haven't yeah. said all of that for that. Uh, let uh, the announcements. We're going to bait them this week. Uh, there's lots of stuff going on, and, and you know some people kind of know that. Uh, and then we'll get into email and messages. And if you want to read the first one, Jeff. Uh, unless you have anything else to say about your your uh, the, the game today, you want anything to say about that or anything else?
0: No, nah, we'll
1: see each other in, in the uh, March
0: Madness tournament. Yeah, probably,
1: probably in the Final Four because they're in different brackets. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That was the only place well. you'd they meet each other. In the final Four of that. The
0: mm-hmm.
1: And they're yep. setting the brackets as we speak. So to those listeners that are over there watching that, you know, kudos to you, and uh, hope you get a chance to come over here after during the week or something and listen to the show. Uh, so, and thank you always for or uh, listening. Uh, Having said that, uh, again, we're going to abate the announcements, and we'll get on to messages and email. This first one is rather poignant. You want to go with that, Jeff?
0: Sure. When I was young, my father was a union millwright. Unfortunately, he died from a fall at work. Subsequent to his fallen death, the union benefits that afforded my little mother enough money and health care to raise Me and my siblings will always remember and honor unions for what they did for my family. And we're going to withheld the name on that one. They always do.
1: Right. That's, uh, you know, a young man, I happen to know that uh, this is a brother, uh, is a good union member yet today. And he's fallen in his father's footsteps along that line. And so our uh, our hearts go out to people like that and I, I actually uh have a little little bit of a tie with that brother so uh, it's uh, uh so it's something that is really really held dear to that person and i know there are a lot of members out there that enjoy union benefits and union wages that feel the same way you know and they You know, while things might not be the way we want them uh, with some of the members in leadership, we need to make sure that we remember exactly and specifically what unions do for us. Okay. Uh, The second email is rather long. It was a message on our post on on, uh, one of the Facebook sites, and there are many people that don't get a chance to see all the sites, so I thought I'd read it It is very uh, to the point Uh, about our our union and our membership right now. So uh, I'd like to read this in its entirety. So here we go. I've been troubled lately by the overall negative tone of our membership at this critical time. In our country right now, there is a bit of a resonance uh, in labor. The teachers are energized, the flight attendants, grad students are making noise, New sectors are being organized all the time. In contrast, many of us auto workers are behaving like spoiled children. Me, me, me. The International did this and that, blah, 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 same old stuff. We haven't even begun to negotiate, and all I hear is negativity. Some would have you believe that all our problems are the fault of our leadership, and truthfully, they deserve some scrutiny. But the reality is that there is plenty of blame to go around. Who has the final say on negotiation, national, go, national agreements anyway? The membership. That's who. And we have been ratifying concessionary contracts for decades. Others will, will fall back on the same old talking points about past injustices, thinking that it justifies whatever argument they need needed to it doesn't and it doesn't do us any good right now either brothers and sisters looking backwards will not take us to where we need to be only by looking forward will we succeed the real reason the real question we should be asking ourselves is what are we willing to do to achieve our goals let me repeat that the real question we should be asking ourselves, is what are we willing to do to achieve our goals? Are you willing to at least let our negotiators do their damn jobs before start sniping? Because everyone deserves a chance to do their job. After all, we do have the final say with our votes. To undercut our own bargaining is asinine. Are you willing to get up off your asses and go to a union meeting and ask questions? Are you willing to put on a red shirt on Wednesday and give management a visual message they can't miss? How can we reasonably expect to have a victory in the fall when we can't even be bothered to do the small things? Do the small things. So we can sit around and bellyache about old news or we can do something positive with the opportunity in front of us. If we split into factions, nothing good will happen. There are many ways to screw it up, but only one way to succeed. We need to stand together and stop the infighting for the good of all of us. We must get active and get educated, and we must put aside our differences and unite Okay, and we're going to withhold that name from our show, but it was a public comment on one of the pages. Um, I believe that was shared a couple times too, as well. Uh, this brother very concerned about what's going on with us, the membership, and we need to kind of take heed of that. Um, I'll make sure that I post that on the, along with the, the uh, posting on the page here for our show on the workingforliving.com and .org uh, so that you can read this if you choose to. So very, very important stuff. Okay. This week's definition, you want to take the first one, Jeff, there? Or maybe. I, well, no, I'll take the first one. I'll take the first one. Or you want.
0: Uh, go ahead.
1: This, this week's definitions. We, that's the last poll. I should say thanks for all the, the writers and the, the author of this uh, post on Facebook, by the way. And, and, you know, thanks for everybody for writing in. And our email address is com. Okay. So now we're on to definitions. So, Jeff, do you, uh, you want to take the first one or the second one? I'll, why don't you take the second one and I'll read the first one. Okay. All right. What is a consent agenda? And the the definition is of a consent agenda. What is a consent agenda and how will it make our meetings go faster? The answer, at every board meeting at least a few items come to the agenda that do not need any discussion or debate either because they are routine procedures or are already unanimous consent. A consent agenda, Robert's Rules of Orders calls it a consent calendar, allows the board to at the beginning of the meeting in conference at the beginning of a meeting conference or convention approve all of these items together without discussion or individual motions depending upon the organization this can free up anywhere from a few minutes to hours for more substantial discussion to take place and again that's what a consent agenda is Jeff, you want to take the second definition, please?
0: Sure. Main motion. This is a motion which brings business before the assembly and which can made, be made only while no other motion is pending. That's okay. The definition well, of the
1: main motion. we saw motion. some of that on, at convention, A motion being made while another motion was pending, and, and I don't believe that everybody sort of understood what a consent agenda is. And for those that are supposed to be able to, uh, you know, chair a meeting, you would think that they would know what a consent agenda is. I mean, it's every level of government and and, um, just about anything you can dream of that has a meeting. Uh, Oftentimes you go to your city council or your township board or your village board and they'll have an agenda and have a whole bunch of stuff on it. And then they'll pull some items from that agenda and say this is a consent agenda or a consent calendar, okay? And they just approve that. And if you want to hold something over for discussion, then you do that at the beginning of the meeting, meeting when the consent agenda is being set. So now everybody knows. I, I You know, I, I don't like it when people take – Something out of context and say that this is the way the union is. The union made a consent agenda at this convention, and there were a few things that were on that consent agenda that didn't need to be discussed. And if you wanted them held over, you do it at the beginning of the meeting. That's the way the doggone Robert's Rules of Order are. If you don't know, understand Robert's Rules of Order, you shouldn't be in leadership. Because if you don't, you're either incompetent, ignorant, Or just simply grandstanding It's incumbent on all leaders To understand Robert's Rules of Order And want to be leaders Those of you out there You know, championing That this was something You know, illegal Or nefarious by the International You know It's like the, the, the writer said You know we got to do the right thing when the right thing is there. They didn't do the wrong thing this time. Leadership didn't do the wrong thing. If you wanted it held over, you had the opportunity of beginning convention. That's simple. Okay. You want to read this week's quote, Jeff?
0: Sure. We must not confuse dissent with disloyalty. When the loyalty opposition dies... I think the soul of America dies with it. And that's from Hubert R. Morrill, the famous American journalist, highly respected gentleman.
1: Right. Again, that quote was, we must not confuse dissident with disloyalty. When the loyal opposition dies, I think the soul of America dies with it. Okay. We'll hold them to account when they're wrong and when they're right, we got to give them a little credit. We watch them all the time, and there's plenty of blame to go around. You know, we don't need to, fa- you know, fabricate blame. That's the lowest form of leadership: fabricate and blame. Plenty of plenty of wrongdoing going going on. We don't need to fabricate it. When you do the right thing, let's recognize it and not chastise it. Okay, so let's get into the bargaining convention, Jeff. Uh, I'd just like to say to start with that uh, Gary Jones, our international president, was rather subdued in his welcoming message, but he did say uh, no less than three times uh, he wanted to thank the membership for their activism and their solidarity. For their activism and their solidarity, and he thanked all of us for that no less than three times as the open of the convention. So, I, I guess I'd echo echo that. You know, I mean, we do a lot of stuff here, you know, but there's a whole lot of other people out there doing things too, and we want to thank them for their activism and their solidarity. So, having said that, um, Jeff, you want you you know we'll get into some other comments regarding the convention. Do you want to uh, give your overview for the past week of the convention?
0: Um, Going back to the um, your your um, definition, it seemed to me that some people were just grandstanding, like you were. Just mentioning Um, I didn't care too much for it Um, We all know the history Of the UAW and our our contracts But it just seems like There's always the same people Who want to stand up and speak About this and and that It doesn't go nowhere They have a good point but Every convention I know there's New faces going as delegates But I just wasn't Impressed with some of the videos and uh, posts I've seen about the convention. Um, I do hope that Gary Jones uh, keeps his promise and run a clean slate while negotiating these contracts. We have enough problems with the uh, FBI and so forth. But, um, I just wasn't impressed by some of those right. speakers. Right. That's how I feel about it.
1: Anything else that you saw that you liked or didn't care for, Jeff?
0: Uh, I' can't think of anything off the top of my head oh, there was okay. one person that one person who was not a delegate was able to speak, and that that surprised me too. Um, I don't know how uh, that was able yeah, I to don't happen. know what
1: the, yeah, go ahead.
0: I don't, I don't know how that
1: happened, but it shouldn't have. Uh, only delegates can speak; no one else. Right. So. I'm not sure about that particular one. I do know that uh, if you have an appeal, that you bring before the, uh, typically the constitutional convention, not the bargaining convention, uh, that you may speak to that appeal on the floor of the constitutional convention, even though you're not a delegate. So that's the one time that I know for sure that they are able to, uh, unless they're an invited guest, such as, a you know, Jerry Davis or somebody like that uh, from the uh, Canadian auto workers, you know, up there to uh, Unifor uh, represents uh-huh. Canadian auto workers and just about every other union in, in the country up there. So uh, but he usually speaks from the podium, not from the floor. So said that um, well you know uh, we, we talked last week about a lot of the, the things that are required uh, you know no more tears that's just got to go away you know the the whole notion that the retirees language has federal law in there and that shouldn't be in our contract uh, you know whether or not they want to do uh, an annuity for the retiree pensions uh, you know, that's arguable, but if they do an annuity, they should have reinsurance on it. Uh, you know, job security uh, is very important that, that we have. Uh, one of the uh, uh, interesting uh, uh, resolutions that got passed uh, was reported to me that they, uh, somebody said that they, if they do a stock buyback, that a percentage of that money that's arbitrarily and can be negotiated uh, should be paid to the members of the UAW. And I believe that was going to go to both active and retired members uh, on something like the the gravity of that. Um, Other thing that seemed uh, to be uh, out there that would be a good uh, avenue to pursue, and I'm not sure that this... This is kind of new, uh, so we're going to discuss it a little bit. Uh, I'm going to bring it up like now for the, the notion that should a corporation that's in contract with the UAW yet receive an offer of purchase of their product, whatever that product is, that we would expect that that corporation not turn down an offer of uh, selling product. And, you know, I mean, why would somebody turn down an offer of product? I just want to say, you know, I've been around a long time. As matter of fact, today's my 50th anniversary. It's my, uh, my uh, uh, annual uh, uh, higher-end date, you know, my annual anniversary date. And my uh, anniversary date is... Uh, St. Patrick's Day. So it's 50 years today that I've been involved in in our union and and with this damn company. Um, So uh, the notion that uh, the CEO in 1978 uh, by the name of Thomas Murphy was CEO of General Motors. And he, he sat in their annual meeting where, you know, everybody gets brought in and they do a dog and pony show. And this was early and they put it on, on the screen, they had a, not a big TV. They didn't have jumbo drums. They just, you know, had a projector, and they put a little video on the on the wall. And he said to us, he said, you know, our biggest job f- for this company and for all of you in the audience, you, you workers, he said, was to give the customer what they want, when they want it, at an affordable price, okay? And that's their biggest job, those three elements. Now, anybody that's in leadership of any corporation that does business with the UAW, it ought to be part and parcel of our contract with them that they garner as much work as they possibly can without without turning anything down. So um, I uh, uh, I just think that should be part of our... Uh, our contract, and uh, you know, I don't think that was a resolution, but it's become a topic here of late. And uh, you know, if, uh, if what I heard is true, shame shame on the people who just did that, whether it's Ford GM Chrysler or any other uh, IPS, TOPS doesn't necessarily do that, technical and office professionals. They don't uh, uh, do that kind of thing. I guess some of the attorneys uh, and the staff at the attorney's offices uh, might come under something like that, but they have canons that they're supposed to abide by and they may not have a conflict of interest, so they typically turn down a lot of work just because of that. But uh, other than, and, and just, you know, you know, viability of the the client for somebody like that but it would seem to me that if somebody came and offered to uh, purchase that 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 should be brought to the UAW's attention and that the corporation better have a damn good reason to turn them down because we want that work okay all of it pay attention corporations and you know who you are Okay, so I can't say any more on that issue. Uh, but the convention went on pretty well, you know, other than some uh, you know, side antics there a little bit. But uh, they, they got through it, and they talked a good game, like a lot of people have said. They've talked a good game, and they always do. But as we went through last week, the national bargaining team that negotiates on our behalf are not international staff people. These are people that are typically presidents, chair uh, persons of a bargaining unit or a shop committee person who has distinguished themselves enough to be on the national bargaining team. And they have our interests. Those are the ones that we elect locally. Okay. Retirees can't vote for the bargaining committee, but they can vote for president. And at the international level, they can run for the International executive Board retirees again because they don't handle grievances. They don't handle grievances. Okay. They handle the appeal of an agreement, grievance, which is distinctly different with management. The appeal is inside the union. It's internal between our members and the, the leadership of the local Region and national, international level. Okay, uh, so uh, uh, I, you know, I guess we had a pretty good convention, you know. And I'm still kind of hung up on all these murders that that occurred this past week. So I'm a little off, you know, distracted by that because I think that there's a lot that can be done to try and fix that from our own world leader of the, the free world here, uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later, uh, some more on that. Uh, so, uh, you know, we passed the resolutions that the people put for, forward. They were in the book, and we're happy to uh, have, uh, you know, gotten most of those passed. I don't think that there were any that, you know, they might have been merged into something, but I don't think that there were any Uh, reasonable ones that got turned down. To my knowledge, I haven't heard anybody belly aching about that. I think everything that was legitimately put in as a resolution was passed and put in the, the book for the bargaining team. So there were no games played like that, to my knowledge. Okay, so let's give them credit where credit's due. And this isn't praise. This is loyal opposition. We'll talk about that in a little bit. um, Jeff uh, uh, What do you think the best thing We as members can do Between now and contract settlement What do you think that is
0: Um, Go to the uh, monthly meetings Keep informed Don't believe anything that's in the press We don't negotiate Contracts through the press. Um, just talk to your reps. Maybe they have some answers for you. But um, that's not the best I can do with Leroy. It's just stick together. Don't believe nothing until you see it in writing before you vote on it. Like uh, the gentleman who put the email together. You know, membership. Voted in the last three or four contracts that were bad. Now, I do remember one thing Leroy, from the convention that surprised me at this time was that okay. they're going to make the strike fund bigger. That, that surprised me. Being so late, I thought they would do that at the uh, uh, regular convention, constitutional convention.
1: Right, the convention.
0: constitutional convention
1: because that's a contract. That's a constitutional change, actually.
0: Exactly. Where they
1: incre- they increased the the amount for the uh, 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 strike pay from mm-hmm. 200 to 250 So they got a 25% yeah. increase. And that was nice of them. You know, I mean, uh, it's a nice thing to have. You're going to get 250 and and uh, your health care gets paid. Uh, you know, and then they're going to go to 275 after the first of the year per week. So that's also nice. I do think that there might have been a, a, a procedural problem with that because I think it should have been done at the constitutional convention. But this is still a convention, and it's the highest authority. Uh, so they revisited it uh, during this convention. That's a national convention. So um, you know, I'm I'm pleased that they did that too. Jeff, is there any other message that that we could send to you know to management? Um, that we we could do, every, you know, during during our regular work week,
0: oh, the nervous, red shirt management thing,
1: nervous. Uh,
0: the red shirt thing, um, wearing on Wednesdays. That's one. Um, during break time, you can sit around and have discussions. That makes management nervous when they see the people sitting together talking. Oh, yeah. I know that works. You yeah and look at him well, like, oh, here he comes, or here she comes, yeah <laughs> exactly um, right. you know, make up buttons, name tags wherever you want,, you
1: know. yeah, we'll probably see some of that from the international, I'm assuming before too long they'll I'm guessing they're gonna put out some buttons uh and they're probably not gonna buy shirts, but I expect that they. Get up off the dime and get some buttons for everybody to wear at work. You know, saying I support our bargaining team. Hint, hint. International Union. I know you listen. We know you listen. So, uh, but like you said, Jeff, that red shirt every Wednesday. If if management walked into the plant and saw a sea of red, every last member wearing a red shirt kind of like white shirt day was at Chevrolet Flint manufacturing, you didn't dare not wear a white shirt. They they would just haul you out there in little bitty pieces. You know, it wouldn't be pretty if you didn't wear a white shirt on white shirt day, and that hung with you for the entire year. It was a stigma that you didn't wear it, and they, they would demean you at every opportunity you didn't wear it. So... This isn't a message to demean anybody that's not wearing a red shirt, but encourage your brothers and sisters, not just at work, but your family and your friends in the community. Because if they see on Wednesday red shirts throughout your community, especially in the workplace, there is no question you're going to send a message to management that is greater than any blowhard on the Internet can ever do. If you want to do something to send management and make their ass nervous and send them a message, wear a red shirt on Wednesday. It's silent. You're going to put no target on your back because everybody's doing it. Okay. Simple. Wear a red shirt. Listen to your committee people. Talk to them. Demand that they come on the floor and update you, you know. When we had a joint council delegate system at Chevrolet Flint Manufacturing, Local 659, during contract time, we had a joint council meeting for every committee district because we had a chair for the, the committee district. It wasn't just a committee person. We had a chair and a recording secretary and a treasurer for every committee district under the Joint Council Delegate System, in our local at 659, when I was there. And during contract time, as I recall, once a month, they'd call a meeting mid-shift, between the shifts. So, if you, you know, you come in a little early, you catch it, and you just hang out, and and uh, uh, the, the day shift would have theirs because it was too, you know, I mean, you'd come in a little early to get to ours because I worked afternoons. And then the day shift would have one right after the same day. And that would bring everybody up to speed on what's going on. So demand that they come out and tell you or hold a meeting before the shift or after the shift let you know. That's good leadership, okay? And you can hold them to account. These are things that you individually can do to make your life better, okay? Okay, Jeff, Um we have uh, the issues of strike, after, you know, if, unless you have anything else on the bargaining convention that you want to talk about. I know it's, it's really meaningless for us to get into the minutia of every resolution that's, put for, that's been put forth. Uh, the big ones we just hit on, and, and we hit on a couple of you know, unique ones and, and uh, some things that we can do to support the bargaining team. Uh, do you have anything else? No, don't have anything Okay. So let's move on to the next segment here. We'll talk about types of strikes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read the first paragraph here, Jeff, if that's all right with you. Um, this is uh, from the National – well, it's uh, regarding the National Labor Relations Act and the National Labor Relations Board as defined by one of the authorities out there. An employee's right to strike is a critical component of the right to organize, but is not without its limitations. Certain strikes qualify as protected activity under the National Labor Relations Act, NLRA, but not all strikes are protected. The main types of strikes covered by the National Labor Relations Act are, go ahead and read that first two, first two there, Jeff. There, you got it. Follow along, Jeff. You, you got it, or are you, you you with us? I might have lost Jeff. I hear him in the background. Anyhow, the, the the first uh protected strike is unfair labor practice strikes which protest employers' illegal activities. And that would come under uh health and safety and or a speed up strike, and that would be authorized by the union to do that. Okay. Jeffy with us, you want to do the next one? He must have hit the mute button or something, or I did. We'll just go forward. Uh, Economic strikes, which may occur when there are disputes over wages or benefits. That's like the end of the the contract strike and and may occur during contract if there's wages that are not being paid properly. Okay? If your wages aren't the right amount or your benefits aren't right. Those are strikable issues. Okay? Recognition strikes, which are intended to enforce employers to recognize unions. Okay, and then there are jurisdictional strikes, which are concerted refusals to work, to affirm members' right to, to a particular job assignments, to particular job assignments, and to protest the assignment of work to another union, or to unorganized employees. What are not protected is a wildcat, spontaneous strike not authorized by your union. What can occur in all cases is that striker replacement is possible for all of the above, okay? And some of the young people are not aware because we had a big fight over this in in the late 80s and the early 90s, and we think that that's one of Bill Clinton's biggest downfalls is because he had the opportunity, because he had a majority in the House and the Senate and did not go after striker replacements. Uh, law to, to end that, it's actually written in the National Labor Relations Act, uh, and that was f- to get the buy-in of the companies and the the other side to uh, approve the Wagner Act back in 1935. Remember, 1935 law is the only reason that you have a union, and any time that you have an unfriendly Congress or and or President. They can take it away, snap. They can take your right to have a union away. That's only in the Wagner Act, and they could repeal that at any time they choose, Congress, and then it would have to be signed by the president. Just remember that. Okay. But strike or replacement is is possible. In other words, if you are on strike, they can they, they, the term is permanently replace you. And typically, at the end of a strike, they, if they have permanently replaced you, then uh, they will uh, not use those workers uh, any longer as soon as the strike is uh, over. They might keep a few of them and hire them under the contract. Uh, but for the most part, those striking workers, they need to be gone uh the, the the replacement not the striking workers the replacement workers during the strike need to be gone when we come back in okay uh big um uh, example of that was when uh, there wasn't a strike but a lockout at Honeywell here a couple of years ago and all of those workers that were the permanently replacements uh during the lockout uh were uh asked to leave as they settled that lockout dispute uh, so that uh, very few, if any, of these uh, permanent replacements were left in the plant. So, um, uh, so per- striker replacements possible for all of the above, permanent replacement. Okay. And wildcats, by definition, do not have the approval of your union, and as such, benefits during a strike may not be paid. A wildcat strike that is you're probably not gonna get you know your two fifty a week if you're on a wildcat also walking off a job is essentially a voluntary quit you may yeah you, know, you may have given up your job. things are much different they are than different today than they were decades ago, okay it's just much different man it takes a you know uh, a different view on a wildcat strike and once once occurred so and uh you know uh that we've been pretty weak in and helping uh we as you know the union uh getting out there and doing things on our behalf uh so you want to take that into consideration when you're there because you know if you're going to go out on a wildcat because there's people out there i'm going to tell you you're going to have to be careful who you're following around because there's folks out there saying that, you know, we're going to go out on a wildcat. You know, you better know the consequences of doing that. Because you don't even have the approval of your union to do it. Okay? So just be careful. Okay? This isn't praising the union. This is facts. So that everybody understands. All the young people that didn't understand permanent replacement of a striker, You just heard how it works. You go out on strike, even if it's a uh, a protected activity under the National Labor Relations Act. There's a clause in the Wagner Act that allows for permanent replacement of strikers so they can continue doing business all the while you're out on strike with scabs. Okay, that's what a permanent replacement striker uh, worker is that's out uh, taking your job if you're out on strike. And I've said this to some very educated people inside of our organization that are activists who I have a great deal of respect for. I said our biggest issue facing organized labor today because we don't have the power of the strike behind us like we once did because this started getting used in the middle 80s by a guy by the name of Davidson who had manufacturing concerns but also owned the Detroit Pistons. And he's the one that made this whole thing uh, begin about permanent replacement of strikers. Okay? Now, you're getting a little history in a historical perspective. But I said that, and the person told me, oh, no, that's not the problem. Well, it is a problem. If you don't have the leverage of the strike without being replaced on the job, it is the biggest thing that's against us now. And if you want to get active and do something, start talking about, ending that law, rescinding permanent replacement of strikers on the job. If you want to do something, start that. Okay? We had a big program about that, a big effort. We lacked one vote in the Senate. One vote in the Senate in 1990. It was called Senate Bill 1, and I I forget the HR number, Right now, it was like 300 uh, something. Like it was down the down the food chain a little bit, but not much. But it was Senate Bill One because they were after it, and we had a majority in the Senate. We lacked one vote to having two-thirds majority to override a veto. So, all right. Okay, Jeff, you with us?
0: Yeah, I had some technical problems over here, Leroy,
1: but I'm good now. Okay, <laughs> I was wondering what happened. I just went on. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, we no, do no. have those from time to time, and uh, thanks for hanging in there, Jeff. I appreciate it. Um, you, since I carried that water, you want to do the uh, the next one? that's assigned to, to me there. The loyal opposition. You want to read that? All
0: right. Let me see if I can find it here, Leroy.
1: Anyway. Uh, about page two, something like that.
0: Loyal opposition is the opposition parties in the legislature. The word loyal indicates the non governing party may oppose the actions of the sitting cabinet while remaining loyal to the source of the government's power. Okay. That's loyal opposition. Right.
1: That transcends into our union as well.
0: Yes, okay. it does.
1: Don't you don't you agree, Jeff? Yeah. I you know, do,
0: do you think? Go ahead. Uh, you, you, at this time, we all have to stick together with the union leadership who are negotiating these contracts right now, and we just can't be out there protesting them while negotiations are going on, but we can keep reminding them what they are there for, and not for uh, read on their, their part, but for the privilege of the membership, as we say every Sunday night. Um, I've had, over my 31 years, I have uh, been a pain in the butt in our leadership a few times, but all in all, I did support the union, so at any time... Um, something's happening the South Florida shouldn't be happening and we take we take care of those a different way. But right. it's loyal opposition.
1: Right. And this is an appraising of our union, but let me tell you something. Okay? Management's on the other side of that negotiating table and they're looking across the table at those negotiators. Okay? They're not going to be hugging each other this time, by the way, from what I'm told, at the opening of the negotiations. They're going to traditionally be across the table at the opening ceremony. And we'll be able to see that. But management's on the other side of the table. And if they find cracks in our solidarity, (coughs) pardon me, and our support of our our Negotiators at the table who are all local union rep members, by the way. Okay. The international is there; they shake the hand just like the, you know, the, uh, the uh, leadership of General Motors. But the negotiators are from the local unions. Okay, and only by advice and consent can the international say anything to the local negotiators, even though it's a national bargaining team for Ford, GM, and FCA. Okay. If management looks across the table and they see that that group doesn't have the support of their membership, and we got criticized real heavily last week for praising the international. We're not praising them. Okay. Support for the purposes of negotiating the very best contract they can do. And we outlined last week what those elements are and how they can pay for them. Resend authorization, if it, if it exists, rescind authorization for dead peasants' insurance. And if it doesn't exist and they're using it to buy life insurance, which clearly in the case of Ford with Mark Fields at $858 million pension, if they're using it, then take them to court because it's illegal. They made it in 2006 illegal to have dead peasants' insurance unless you have the authorization from the retirees, each one, okay? And, it, you know, if they've given such authority, they should rescind it. If, they're, if they didn't give any authority and it's being used, they need to call them to account with the IRS, okay? And the minute that I find out, I will, if I find out they're using it without authority. I'll be happy to do it on behalf of membership, and we'll get our little heads together and we'll put something together. everybody'll proof it and have a chance to read it, and then off it'll go, kind of like the treason thing. So we must get behind this bargaining team, okay? That doesn't mean that we gotta accept everything that's going on, okay but they got it, and and again, we need to hold them to account. So loyal opposition. So let me ask you, Jeff, um, you know, you had an appeal because you lost your membership, you and two of your uh, members in your plan. Do you think that that was a form of loyal opposition?
0: Uh, My thinking is, Leroy, is this loyal opposition... um, by supporting the membership, what we were doing was holding the leadership accountable for for something very important. So yeah, I would I would classify that as loyal opposition. Um,
1: you opposed them taking your membership, mm-hmm. right? So you, that, yeah. you were opposition to what they did, but you're still loyal yep. to the institution of the UAW, right?
0: Correct, one hundred percent.
1: right. Exactly. You know, we went through the process. And we weren't clear up to the. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uh, 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 the pellet pr- process yeah, and please. the public uh, review board, made up of four deans of law schools, who said that whoever put this together knew what they were doing, and another comment that was made: "You're running this union, and and you oh, allowed geez. this to happen." You know, a question mark, and that was an admonition to the leadership that was sitting there on the. The, you know, the union side that they're trying to justify their position—they couldn't, based on how it was written. So, um, so that's about loyal opposition. You know, we we need to hold them to account. Okay, we're going to watch their actions. We're going to demand that they have a meeting with us. Okay, and you need to do that—not not us, you on the plant floor. Ask your committee person to hold a meeting before the before the shift starts or after the shift starts or ends after the shift ends, and just ask them, hey, let's meet somewhere off, off. You can't do it in 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 the plant. You're gonna have to meet maybe in the parking lot or somewhere you know where they don't know you're doing it, but really on company grounds, it's not not cool. But uh, have a meeting and just you know. We want to update. Tell us what you know on local and, in, and the national negotiations. And, of course, you can go to your union meeting and expect the same thing at a union meeting. Okay? But you can ask your committee person. Put these people... They, they, you, you elected them to represent you. Put them to work. Make Make them accountable for being there. Because not everybody can make a union meeting. Quite frankly... Union Hall isn't big enough for all the people. None of them. Okay, so hold them to account. Make sure you get in there and you, you
0: tell them. So,
1: having said that. You got anything else on loyal opposition, Jeff?
0: No, just what's best that we can explain.
1: Yeah, and you got to remember, management's on the other side of the table. They were watching us closely with a fine tooth comb. How much support do they really have from the membership? Especially after everything that's gone on, the last thing that you can do is stand around and bitch about what they're doing. That's the worst thing you should be doing. Okay. When we see something, we'll hold them to account. We'll also call out those people who are just out there being um, marplots. Marplots, something like a cog in the wheel. You know, with somebody's got a little problem to their plan, and they're just being obstinate and causing grief for no reason, just to do it. Yeah. So, uh, on our next uh, segment, we're getting, getting about five minutes here, and this should wrap us up pretty good. Uh, Jeff, you see the uh, uh, the tweet that came out today. Uh, I guess yep. I'll read it if you don't mind. Or you want to read it. You want to read it? Because I've been talking a lot. You want to read it?
0: Okay. This is a tweet by President Trump. Local UAW. Wait a minute. Oh, make sure you it. get the first word there. Yeah, okay? I get the first word in there, yeah. Democrat UAW local 1112 President David Green up to get his act together and produce. GM let our country down, but other such better car companies are coming into the U.S. in droves. So I want action on Lordstown planning and get this job done. 3% unemployment. Uh, 3.8, uh, Yeah. It's just... I might get in trouble if I say what I really think about Trump.
1: Okay. Uh, <laughs> the president just attacked one of our leaders, who's out there who's doing, doing a third level good job. Post. Yeah, he's doing a good job down there. Okay, probably better than most presidents I've ever run into, and I've I've known a lot of them. Okay, and i have you know I mean truly known some very good ones, but this president here, David David Green down there at Lordstown, eleven twelve, did, doing a good job, and the president just attacked one of ours. Okay. He said, "Democrat UAW Local 1112 President David Green ought to get his act together and produce." Period. Full stop. Then he went on to say something about General Motors. <clears throat> this president put together a UAW wheel with local union signifi- you know, balloons that signified, you know, uh, UAW 1112. In in two hours' time, he put together the first campaign, region-wide campaign, to keep working his plant that I've seen. He's been talking to the leadership of the state, his congresspersons and senators that affect the area, U.S. senators, all the local management for all the local uh, uh, companies, And he's talked to General Motors directly, trying to get product allocated, secure a product, or possibly get something else in there. All the options are open. This president is working night and day. And I'm going to tell you something. Mr. Trump, you should have never done this. He's one of our leaders, and you just attacked him for not doing a good job, and he's probably doing a better job than just about anybody that's in this process. He's led the charge, and you're just jealous because he's getting some, some face time. I'll also tell you this. You should never underestimate the valley, and you probably don't know what the valley is, but when you're from the valley... You're always from the valley. And you yeah, have, I, I you're doing a good job, you're, you have undying support from every member of the valley UAW, GM, or anybody else that's from the valley has undying support. And if they have a problem with you, they'll call you to decide and say, hey, straighten that up, tighten it up. I'm from the valley. I grew up there in Steeltown. At the time I grew up there it was called Crime Town USA because we had so many murders. One of my friends, on a Saturday morning that I had asked to stay overnight, car blew up on Saturday morning when his dad him and his dad went out to get donuts. There's a loyalty among the valley that you just can't understand, Mr. Trump. And if you think that calling out David Green as a Democrat helped you in the valley, you're sadly mistaken, sir. Sadly, sadly mistaken. If you think calling him out as a UAW leader ingratiated you with our membership... You're sadly mistaken. And furthermore, furthermore, jobs in this country are not to be politicized. When you call them out as a Democrat, it doesn't matter what you are if you're fighting for work Democrat, Republican, libertarian, it doesn't matter if you're blue, red, or green. This is about our jobs, Mr. President. And you ought to get your head out of your ass and start doing your job. And so far as I can tell, you're not doing it. You've, your tariffs have cost us all kinds of jobs. A roll of Rolex wire has gone from $160 to almost $300, 290 my last check, to build a home. Romex wire, not Rolex, but Romex wire. That's the wire that goes, you know, between, you know, your outlet, you know, over to your, your, your box, you know, your power box, power box, most of them square D power boxes. That's what, the, that's what you've done with your tariffs. You need to understand that we're on a point of manufacturing, the rest of the world's on a point of sale tax pro. Uh, process, And when you figure that out, and I know it's above your pay grade at the moment, but when you figure that out, you can actually try and fix the country. But right now, you don't know because you've been there long enough to know, but you haven't done the homework to find out what the real problem is. And your chief financial officer was one of the people who helped to implement that difference between point of sale and point of manufacture. So, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to defend what he did in 1982. So, Mr. President, get your head out of your ass and stop criticizing our leadership. And you did not ingratiate yourself to anybody in the valley or from the valley by calling out UAW local 1112 President David Green. <laughs> Jeff, you got anything to say about his tweet?
0: Yeah, he Trump mentioned that other car companies better car companies coming in controls. That, that's not correct, right? In fact what he did is he lied to the uh workers at Carrier. Okay, he said they they would have a job. He lied to the coal miners, okay, who voted for him in the carrier. And now he's, you know, in 2016, he told the United States, you know, us UAW members, that we're going to have jobs again. We won't lose one plant. And he says, I promise you that. But look what happened since he's been elected. How many companies have left the states since? november two thousand sixteen there's a ton of, ton of good paying jobs you know and there's more more company closings to come in in the recent months ahead he He just and he he's just totally wrong on everything he says right
1: well and he he passed a a tax bill, and he wondered where the language came from when he found out that people that are employed by a, a U.S. company that are employed in another country pay X and the, in uh, in prof on their profits, they pay only so much on their profits, but their profits made in the United States are a hundred percent more, a hundred percent more than what the, the profits that are in Mexico right now. In other words, if they pay 50 cents on a dollar, well, they don't. I don't want to get into that. If they pay $50 in tax in Mexico, okay, if they pay $50, if they you know, here in the United States on the same profit, it would be $100 in tax. So it's 100% more. If it's 100 there, it's 200 here. So it's 100% more, not 50% less for them. It, we are paying 100% more under his tax bill. And that's why jobs are leaving the country. So you haven't done a very damn good job, Mr. President. Quit, quit criticizing and politicizing our union leaders that are doing their job. We're sick of corporate America running this damn country. What we need is a labor leader. run for president that's what we truly need and when that happens all of this crap will stop and we'll finally be rid of the person that's there doing all this to us anything else on him Jeff
0: no I'm I'm waiting for the Mueller report to come out All
1: right, me too (laughs) Should come out this week, maybe Wednesday. <laughs> yep, I'm guessing Wednesday. So, uh, uh, having said that, uh, on anything else, do you have any comments on the show? Because we're going to close it up here now.
0: No, I'm just you know, the weather's finally getting better. Everybody okay. be safe tomorrow. Celebrating St. Patty's Day. I know there's going to be a lot of people missing from work tomorrow, but you know yeah. that's life here in here in Michigan. We celebrate right. it. So.
1: Right. Uh, we, we do have a lot of people in the switchboard. I see a hand up. Let me uh, recognize this person. Uh, we'll bring him on. I uh, didn't see the hand up a while ago, but let me bring it a hand, uh, hand up here now. Sorry about that. Um, so before we close the show, we'll give this person an opportunity to speak. Uh, I believe this is uh, – hello, Tom. You're on the air. Yeah, Leroy. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah, great show. I, I got in about 20 minutes into it, and I don't know what you covered in the first 20 minutes, but uh, you had me on the phone most of the day trying to confirm or or deny some of the statements that's been flying around uh, that we've been on the phone discussing throughout the day, on a Sunday of all days, for all this to hit the fan. But uh, a lot of this stuff uh, that uh, we were talking about earlier this morning, that broke. Some of it... Uh, may be factual, but I have not got the confirmation from either uh, the uh, sources that I have uh, been in contact for some months now at the corporation or at the Solidarity House. I have two people that I'm waiting on phone calls to confirm or deny uh, what we have been talking talking about, and I really not wouldn't go forward.
1: The- forward. require two, two, uh, we- two sources before we... We feel uh, obligated to air something uh, on the show, so uh, that's Correct. that's our policy here. Uh, that we have two sources before we bring it out to you folks, so we're not uh, caught uh, you know, with misinformation here. So, but go ahead.
2: Don. But uh, it it it, uh, it was just the coincidence today that really lit the fire when uh, the president of the United States comes on and makes the remark that he has made about uh, General Motors and our UAW president. And if you read between the lines, something uh, doesn't smell kosher here. There's been statements similar uh, that have not been confirmed or denied, uh, either going back two or three months ago by our our elected officials. So uh, the... In process here may take longer than we think, or it may just pop out one day here this week or next week, and we'll, we'll get the truth out there. So, But in any event, uh, God bless Dave Green and, and the people at Lordstown that have been working their asses off here. We deserve uh, better than uh, what we're getting in regards to uh, the leader of the free world, supposedly, in regards to our, our issues down here at Lordstown and supporting the people that have uh, virtually over the centuries uh, made product that uh, won wars for the United States, the steel industry, building the cannonballs. What is it? That Bruce Springsteen song, if you ever listened to it, that uh, Bruce Springsteen wrote about Youngstown. Well, that's true. And I I echo what you said earlier here about five or six minutes ago. They don't know the valley. They do not know the valley. And uh that's that's the end of it I'll, I'll get in touch with you in the morning if I hear anything tonight. I'll give you a call but uh I'm not comfortable with going timing ahead with of, any of this. Of
1: this tweet. Do you want to get into the timing of this tweet and and another occurrence previous uh within 5 minutes previous or do you want to let that go, Tom?
2: I'm going to let that go for now. I really I okay. I I don't feel comfortable uh all right. revealing it, and I'm certainly not going to reveal any sources that I have
1: because uh, right. they've well,
2: been pretty credible, as you know. Before
1: the tweet that, that uh, caused the tweet to occur, it to be. So yeah, without yeah, getting into yeah, too many details, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. uh, an upset.
2: It'll be a good story if it's true. So <laughs> Oh, yeah, <laughs> the a stock,
1: stockholders have field day with this one. Oh, yeah. Well, uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Some yeah, heads true. may roll. We, we may, we may end up seeing some heads rolling. I mean, it's not on it's our unbelievable. Side.
1: No, you know, this is not on our side. This is, this is no, not on no. our side. Okay, okay no. so everybody it, It's
2: unbelievable. Yeah, if this is true, it's unbelievable. I, I can't believe somebody would do this with the lives of our men and women that work for so goddamn hard for a dollar at these plants that. Uh, they oversee and uh and uh I that's the end of my report and uh I'll tell you what Jeff you guys did a great job with the show tonight and
1: uh like I
2: said I'm sorry I missed the first 10 or 20 minutes of it but uh from what I heard it
0: was a good show. Okay. Thank, thank
1: you. Thank you, Tom, for everything you do for our team too. So Jeff, you
0: got any questions yeah, for just, Tom? No, I don't have any questions but uh maybe confirm something for me. I read earlier today um that Trump is going to be at the uh, tank plant in Lima, Ohio. I think on Tuesday, Monday this week. Um,
2: he's actually going to he's actually going to be in Lima, Ohio. Jeff and Canton, Ohio on Wednesday.
0: That's, Canton. Ohio. Uh, the,
2: yeah, Lima, Ohio is between yep. Dayton and and and, and uh, uh, Canton. Uh, Yes. So it's down at 75, seventy-five, seventy-seven corridor there. Yeah. yeah. He's going to General Dynamics Tank. He's going to be at the General Dynamics Tank manufacturing plant in Lyman. I, I, I probably will be there. Trying to get information for you guys, but uh, I don't know. Sometimes they don't let me near certain people, so (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I look dangerous at seventy years old.
1: Just flash your credentials, Tom. (laughs) Yeah, carry a lot of weight. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I I enjoy the the assignments you've given me. Believe me, it uh, it keeps me busy and it it keeps me alive. I guess, and uh, it's. uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, he's going to be in Lima, like I said, and then he's going to be up in Canton, from what I understand, on Wednesday. So, okay. uh, but it's uh, it's it, it's going to be interesting these next several days. If if what I'm thinking is happening here, and they, I can get confirmations, I'll share it with you guys, and we can do whatever we want with it at that point. I, I feel comfortable.
1: Right. So. Once you have a dual uh, dual uh, source uh, telling you yes. that, yes, yeah and the approval yes. from both of them, uh, then we're, we're good. Cause,
2: uh, well, we've, ar- we've already got uh, one confirmation from the cor- corporation, and uh, it, it, I'm not going to get into details. I need to confirm what he has confirmed before I go forward with right. it. So Exactly. All right.
1: Okay. All right, thanks, Tom. Appreciate everything you do. Okay. Right. Great
2: show, you thanks, guys.
1: Thanks, Tom. Great show. All right, bye. Yep. All right, we'll put you back on listen mode then. Okay, there we heard from one of our investigative reporters, one of many around the globe, actually. And uh, Tom's uh, brave enough to actually come on the show, and we appreciate that. So, uh, uh, Much appreciated for all your work there, Tom. Um, So, having said that, uh, let's close this out. About an hour and 15 minutes. We don't want to be too, too long for everybody. Uh, So, thanks to all our listeners around the world. Thanks to our Listeners in Mexico and Canada, all our listeners in the United States, both union and non-union, and most especially our UAW brothers and sisters. Uh, So uh, we uh, thank you for listening, and if you want to contact us, our email is at workingforaliving at workingforaliving.com. Okay, and again, that's just the way it's spelled on on the show here as you're listening to it, working for a living, number four, not a word. Or four is a number, not a word. So having said that, uh, I'll say good night, listeners, and good night, Jeff.
0: Good night.